Last Sunday, I told you that we were two days away from the most important election in our lifetime. Well, we've had the election, and it has been quite the week, hasn't it? Some of you will remember perhaps a similar scene that played out in the not-so-distant past, 20 years ago, in the year 2000. Republican George W. Bush and Democrat Al Gore battled for more than a month after Election Day. The attention of the nation, if you remember that time, was focused on Florida and something called hanging chads. You remember that phrase? Whoever won the state of Florida would win the White House. Gore was declared the winner by most of the networks. Bush was declared the winner by the Florida Secretary of State. And for 36 days, who won the White House was in limbo. There was an intense five-week legal battle over the ballots. That five-week legal battle left a divided nation with a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainty over which man would be the next president. And in those five weeks, 47 lawsuits were filed. 47 lawsuits related to the election were filed in Florida during that time. And then finally, on December the 12th, the Supreme Court stepped in and declared George Bush the winner in Florida by just 537 votes out of 6 million that were cast in the state. He was sworn in, of course, as our 43rd president uh, on January the 20th, 2001. But it wasn't until December the 12th that we knew who won the election. History tends to repeat itself. The names change, the issues may be different, But the anxiety and the uncertainty feels very familiar. That's why we need to open our Bibles. There is hope and help here that we simply can't find anywhere else. There is hope and help here that you will not find anywhere else. Now here's what we're going to learn today. I'm going to give you kind of the sermon in a sentence. And then we're going to dig into the Word of God and kind of build off of that sentence. But here's what I want you to learn today. Here's the one point I want you to take home and I want you to remember. Here it is. Even in moments of great division, God can give us great peace. I'll say that more than once today. That even in moments of great division, God can give us great peace. Now, that's not just a clever statement that I came up with. That is actually the testimony of a man in the Old Testament who had his own political turmoil to deal with. Let me show it to you as you open God's Word to Psalm 62. The Old Testament book of Psalms and go to Psalm 62. This psalm was written by a man named David. You're very familiar perhaps with King David. You may not be familiar with the background behind this psalm. As I was digging into this psalm and learning more and more about it, I was constantly amazed at how relevant the Bible is to the issues that we face today. So let me kind of paint the picture for you about the background behind this psalm. David found himself in a very difficult situation. He was king of Israel, but some evil men were scheming on how to remove him from the throne and perhaps to kill him. By the way, let me clarify something that I said last Sunday that I found out later that I I misspoke last Sunday. Last Sunday, I intended to say that David was Israel's greatest king, but what I said was, in this service, I said David was Israel's first king. 
He was not Israel's first king. Saul was Israel's first king. But David was indeed Israel's greatest king. And even though he was Israel's greatest king, there were some who were scheming against him to remove him from the throne. It was likely one of two scenarios. And we're not exactly sure which of those scenarios is the background for Psalm 62, but it was likely one of these two things that led David to write what he wrote. Let me give you the two scenarios. Here they are. Number one, first of all, after the death of Saul... There continued to be a battle between the house of Saul, that is his relatives and leaders, the house of Saul, and the house of David. Uh, We don't have time to look at it, of course, but if you wanted to look at the historical background, the biblical record, you could look at 2 Samuel chapters 1 through 4. But basically, here's what happened. The forces of Saul wanted to continue his dynasty. Even though Saul had died, they wanted to continue his dynasty, while at the same time, David was assuming the throne that he was the, God's anointed king. So here's what happened. Saul's son, Ishbosheth, was made king over Israel, the ten northern tribes. There were a group of people who schemed and they made him king over Israel. David, on the other hand, was considered to be king over Judah, the two southern tribes. And in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, we read these words. The war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. After a period of about seven years, this going back and forth, this tension going back and forth, after a period of about seven years, David became the king of all Israel. But this, that may be the background behind Psalm 62, this political turmoil of who would be king. There's another scenario, a second scenario, that may be painting the picture of what really was the background behind Psalm 62. And really, I believe this is the one that perhaps uh, is most credible. And that is that Absalom, David's own son, conspired against his father in an attempt to remove him from the throne so that Absalom could make himself king. 2 Samuel chapter 15 is the biblical record if you wanted to check that out at some time. But get this picture in your mind. David's own son, Absalom, wanted to dethrone his father. He schemed and lied his way for several years trying to get everything lined up so that he could take the kingdom away from his father and so that he could become the king of Israel. Warren Wiersbe, the great biblical scholar, said this, and I quote regarding Absalom, David's son. Warren Wiersbe said, Absalom was a consummate liar who waited four years before openly rebelling against his father and seizing the throne. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 13 and 14, briefly tell that story. It says, A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all of his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. So David, the king of Israel, was forced to flee Jerusalem because his own son had schemed against him and his own son had lied about him and he was forced to flee Jerusalem to save his life as he ran out into the Judean desert while his son took the throne of Israel. I believe that really was probably the background behind Psalm 62. In the middle of this political intrigue, perhaps while he was hiding in the Judean desert, David wrote these words, Psalm 62. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. 
He is my fortress, and I will never be shaken. David forced to leave the fortress of Jerusalem, hiding in the deserts of the Judean wilderness. David said, God alone is my fortress. I'll trust in Him. Here's the one lesson. I've told you I'd say it several times. Here's the one lesson I want you to remember. In moments of great division, God can give us great peace. Now, look at the text with me in verse 1, Psalm 62, verse 1. I want you to look at this word rest. My soul finds rest in God alone. The Hebrew word for rest conveys the idea of silence or being, being quiet or being still. It's very similar to Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I am God. Rest is calming ourselves down, not because the circumstances we're in is favorable, but because of what we have in God. Now, somebody needs to hear that. Maybe those watching online or those in the Life Center or maybe somebody here. So let me say it one more time. Rest is calming ourselves down, not because of favorable circumstances but because of what we have in God. We see this in Exodus 33 in the story of Moses. Moses was tormented by the challenges of leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and across the desert and into the promised land. I can imagine what it would have been like, the challenges of leading perhaps two million people out of Egypt and and into Israel. And as Moses faced that challenge, tormented day after day, he was basically a bundle of nerves. And he told God so. Anybody here been a bundle of nerves this week? That was Moses. He was a bundle of nerves and he told God so. And the Lord said something very interesting to Moses. In Exodus 33 verse 14, God said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Imagine what he didn't say. He didn't say, My presence will go with you and I'll fix all your problems. He didn't say, my presence will go with you and everything will be the way you want it to be or everything will work out. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Not because the circumstances are favorable, but because I will be with you. In the New Testament, Jesus made a very similar statement. The disciples were tormented by the imprisonment of John the Baptist. The disciples were frazzled and worried that maybe they would be the next to be arrested and perhaps even beheaded. And in the midst of that political upheaval, Jesus looked at His disciples who were worried and frazzled, and He said to them, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Again, not because the circumstances are favorable but because of my relationship with you. That's what David discovered in Psalm 62. When his political enemies were out to destroy him, when his political enemies were lying and conniving against him, David discovered his security was in God. And watch this. His security was in God and only in God. I want you to get get your pen or pencil handy and look with me real closely at the text. David said in verse 1, My soul finds rest... Watch this, in God alone. Look what he says in verse 2. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Verse 5, he says it again. 
Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Verse 6, he says it again. He alone is my rock and my salvation. You see, we wrongly assume that if we have enough money or if we have enough knowledge or if we give enough effort, we can solve nearly anything. But there are times when what we need is found in God alone. There are times when we can't fix it. There are times when we're not in control. There are times when we don't have the answer. There are times when we don't know what the next decision should be. There are times when we are frayed and frazzled and worn out. But I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. God is the one, and sometimes only God is the one, who can give us the answer and the peace and the hope we so desperately need. This Psalm 62 was a low point in David's life. If you had asked David, hey, how's your week been? David would have shook, shook his head and just been downcast. and He would have been worried and he would have been heartbroken. and It's not been a good week at all. It was a low point in David's life. His friends and his advisors had turned against him. His friends and advisors were slandering him and lying against him. Look what he says in verse 3 and 4. How long will you assault a man? He's talking about those enemies, whoever it is, whether it's Absalom, his son, or the house of Saul. And he's asking the question, how long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down? And and then he's perhaps quoting them, this leaning wall, this tottering fence. They were saying about David, there's not much left. Uh, It's not going to take much to knock him over. It's not going to take much to knock him off the throne. He's like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. This is a low point in David's life. So how do you respond in a time like that? How do you respond in a situation like this? Here's how David responded. Verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on what, church? On God. He is my mighty rock. My refuge. What I like to do in the remaining time that we have is just to take those three verses and show you some steps you and I can take. Some things that we can do like David did that might help us with whatever it is that we're the challenging situation we find ourselves in. In these three verses, we find some ways that you and I can kind of process the emotions and process the experiences that we have when life is challenging. So let me give you some things to write down. Just some ways that you and I can process our emotions and experiences. Here's the first one. Number one, get quiet before God today. Get quiet before God today. David says this in verse 1 and in verse 5. Again, let me call your attention to this word rest. Find rest in God alone. Verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. The word rest in in the Hebrew language there means to wait in silence. To wait in silence. Watch this. It means literally just to sit in God's presence and wait in silence. The New New American Standard Translation says, My soul waits in silence for God only. The idea, listen to this church, the idea is to talk less and trust more. 
I'm going to wait in silence before God. Today I'm going to talk less and trust more. I'm going to sit before God, sit in His presence and wait for Him. I'm going to quietly and firmly put my hope in the Lord today. That's what David said. Find rest my soul in God alone. Now, the Lord showed me how much I need this recently with the world's greatest grandson, Sawyer. Sawyer's only three months old. Just turned three months old yesterday, I think. And uh, yesterday or Friday. Uh, Lisa is now keeping Sawyer. She's retired and Lauren is going back to work. So Lisa has the honor and the privilege of keeping him every day. And, and so I have the honor and the privilege of going home at lunchtime and uh, getting to take care of him during lunch. Lots of times that involves giving him a bottle. Recently I was giving him a bottle and he's like most babies. The kid likes to eat. I'll tell you something else about him. He does not like to be interrupted when he's eating. What we do with Sawyer, or what I do with Sawyer, is that, you know, I kind of have this system. I, you know, always, he's in my left arm, and I use my right hand to hold the bottle. And I'm watching the bottle, and halfway through, I sit it down, and I pick him up and put him on my shoulder to burp him. And I know, whenever I take that bottle out, and I set it down, and I pick him up, I know my left ear is about to be blasted. He does not like it, and he lets me know he does not like it. He is, he is fighting me. He's, the arms are going. The legs are going. He's fussing. He's screaming. He's crying. And he did that to me the, one day this week. And I said to him, I said, little buddy, have I ever let you starve? He didn't know what I was saying, but it made me feel better, you know? <laughs> and about the time I said that, it seemed like God said to me, that's what you do to me a lot of times. Have I ever let you down, Keith? It is so easy for you to fuss and whine and cry. I've always taken care of you. Maybe one of the best things you can do for your soul this week is just to get quiet before God. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Find a time where you're quiet before God and Him alone. So, say it back to me. What's the first point? Say it back to me, please. you got to say it louder. Get quiet before God today. Make sure you leave, put that word in there. Get quiet before God today. Here's the second point. Number two, remind yourself again tomorrow. I want you to, the reason I say that, I want you to compare verse 1 and verse 5 in Psalm 62. David said in verse 1, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. That's his testimony. He's declaring his faith, his hope is in God. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. That's his testimony. Verse 5. Find rest. Now in verse 5, he's talking to himself. And he says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. Now why did David repeat himself? Why is he declaring something in verse 1 and then talking to himself in verse 5? Because David was just like us. We all struggle to get to that place of complete trust and stay there. 
we sometimes can get to that place of complete trust where we can declare our faith like you did in verse 1. But then something happens and we have to declare it again, don't we? Because it's hard to get to that place of complete trust and stay there. I may, I may be able to say, my soul finds rest in God alone today and really mean it. But I'm going to have to remind myself again tomorrow when I turn the news on. I'm going to have to remind myself again tomorrow when I face the problems that I'll be facing. I may declare my faith in God today and mean it with every fiber of my being, but I'm going to have to remind myself again tomorrow I can still need to trust Him that day as well. You see, if we're honest, now I'm about to plow close to the corn, so let me just go ahead and warn you. If we're honest, for a lot of us, our peace in life is based on God plus something else. God plus our finances, God plus our health, God plus our family, God plus the right person in the White House, regardless of who that is for you. But David was not talking about God plus something. David was talking about finding rest in God alone. And four times he said it. Four times he reminded, it's not God plus something. It's in God alone. And by repetition, saying it once and twice and three times and four times, by repetition, David hammers home the point that we will enjoy God's peace in trying times when God alone is the one we're trusting in. Ladies and gentlemen, if your peace has to be sustained, propped up by something else, then you need to examine what you're really putting your faith in. We never get to the place of complete faith, though, because the trials of life never end. Trials of life can indeed resurface. So what I believe today, I'm going to have to remind myself of tomorrow and the next day. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. The Lord showed me a verse this week that really has helped me. Maybe it will help you. Put your finger there in Psalm 62. Go over to the left to Psalm 25. And this is one of those verses I want to encourage you to mark in your Bible. Psalm 25. Psalm 25. This is another Psalm of David, a Psalm that David wrote. I want you to see what he said in verses 4 and 5. David says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. I wrote in my study Bible, this is a good verse or a good prayer to start the day with. It would be a good way for you to just start your day praying this prayer of David. But I want you to notice something he says at the end of the prayer. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you. What what does he say? My hope is in you all day long. I've underlined that in my Bible and highlighted it. My hope is in you all day long. Sometimes you need an all day long faith, don't you? Because you can start out in the morning pretty good. You can start out in the morning, you had your quiet time, and you're believing God, and you're trusting God, and then you go into, into work, or you go to school, and all of a sudden it all blows up. David said, my faith is in you all day long. I like the cartoon, I, I don't remember where I saw it years ago, 
a cartoon where this guy was praying. He said, Lord, I want to thank you that I haven't gotten mad at all today, and I haven't lied to anybody, and I haven't spoken unkindly to anyone today, but Lord, I'm about to get out of bed, and I'm going to need your help. I'm kind of like that. You know, I can have a pretty strong faith in the mornings. I can have a pretty strong faith when I first get up. But it's that all day long faith. That all day long trust. That all day long hope. I could be determined in the morning in my quiet time. But then I go to work or you go to school or you go somewhere else. Then all of a sudden, we wonder what's happened to my hope? What's happened to my peace? What's happened to my faith? But I encourage you, don't give God just a nod, a token nod of trust. And then set Him aside while you try to wrestle with your problems tomorrow. But do your best to remind yourself to have an all-day-long trust, an all-day-long faith, an all-day-long hope. Use the words of David to start your day and then focus on trusting God all day long. Here's a third and final thing. Make sure you know God personally. And this is so important, so don't miss this. I know that sounds uh, like an obvious thing, but, but don't miss what David says in this psalm. Uh, if you look at this psalm carefully, going back to Psalm 62, if you look at this psalm carefully, you'll notice the, the pronoun my used nine times in verses 5 through 7. In just those three verses, verses 5 through 7, David uses that word, that pronoun my, Nine times. He piles up description after description after description of who God is. And each time he preferences that description with the word my. He's not just a hope. He's my hope. He's not just a rock. He's my rock. He's not just a salvation. He's my salvation. He's not just a fortress. He's my fortress. He's not just a refuge. He's my refuge. Look at the text with me. I'll show it to you. Verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God for He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have peace in trials, you have to know God personally and you have to know God experientially. He can't simply be the God of the Bible. He has to be the God that you personally know and the God you're personally trusting in. You see, the message of this psalm is not just that David is hopeful. The message is that his hope stems from his relationship with God. Does that make sense to anybody? That the reason he has hope is not because he's kind of worked up this hope. The reason he has faith is not because he's kind of worked up some kind of faith. The reason he has hope and faith is because it has grown out of his relationship with God. So he could call God not just a refuge, but my refuge. He's not just a salvation, he's my salvation. He's not just a rock, he is my rock. And David has this faith in God that was so strong that it gave him faith in the future. Hey, don't miss that. David had this personal faith in God that was so strong, it gave him faith for the future. Let me show you this last verse going over to Psalm 42. Over to the left, it's Psalm 42. <clears throat> Psalm 42, verse 5. 
The psalmist said in verse 5, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? That is, the psalmist was saying, there's, there's something not right. There's something wrong in me. I can sense it. I can feel it. I, I'm worried. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. There's, there's something inside me that's just off kilter. There's something inside me that's wrong. And so he's talking to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And then he says to himself, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Put your hope in God. Paul said in Romans 8.31, If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, if God is for us, what does it matter who is against us? Because in the end, God's going to prevail. When we have faith in God, we can become rock steady in a stormy world. Because our faith is not in our circumstances. Our faith is not in what we can, can come up with. Our faith is in God. David's testimony was this. He is my fortress. And I will not be shaken. Do you know God personally like that? Here's what I can promise you if you do. Even in moments of great division... God can give you great peace. But it's not God plus something. It's faith in God alone. An all day faith. An everyday faith. In God alone. He alone is my rock. He alone is my fortress. He alone is my refuge. And all God's people said... Amen. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today or over in the Life Center and, or maybe you're watching online and you recognize, you know, there is just something wrong inside me. For some of you, that sense that something is wrong may be because someone is missing. David talked about several times about God alone, that He alone is my refuge. Sometimes you can spend your whole life and all your energy looking for someone to do what only God can do. And in the process, you might miss the relationship that God designed you for. That's what the cross is all about, that God wants a relationship with you. And that's how, it's a demonstration of how much God loves you and how much He wants to, you to be with Him in heaven and how much He doesn't want to, leave, to lose you. He said, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, something is wrong. The Bible calls it sin. The thing about sin is that we can never undo it and you can never make up for it. Something is wrong. Someone is missing. If Jesus Christ is not in your life, someone is missing. Here's the answer. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. You put your faith in Christ and Christ alone today. You don't have to live another day without Him. You can belong to God from this day forward if you'll simply tell Him with all of your heart these words. Would you just pray this with me? You can pray it silently right where you are, whether you're watching online, whether you're watching in the LC or those here in the sanctuary. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. Put your faith in God alone. Pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. There is something wrong in me. 
I acknowledge that it is my sin. And today I turn away from it. And I want to live my life for you. I ask you, be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. And I promise to live my life for you. Thank you for forgiving me and for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray.